The decisions you make in your health choices can truly reflect the current and future course of your life. Welcome to Wise Chats, Simple Talk, Profound Wisdom with your host, Dr. Mary Jo Bulbrook. Our show will bring leading-edge expertise to deep challenges faced by individuals and humanity. We'll draw on ancient wisdom as well as the latest research from our diverse guests. Now, here is Dr. Mary Jo Bulbrook. Welcome to Wise Chats Show. This is our final show, and I'm very pleased to address the topic, Stand in the Light. The song that you just heard is from John Agati, who is a uh, major songwriter and uh, singer speaking about spiritual songs and bringing forward a knowledge base about how to search within and find your truth and walk in the light. I chose that particular song with his permission to, one, be the title of the show, because this whole series, in addition to being about wise chats, simple talk, profound wisdom, is about standing in the light. It's about learning to overcome obstacles, and dealing with many things that happen to us and finding how to move into a new place. This is not the end, but the beginning of exploring further of what can be done to make changes in our lives. In our lives. Wives Chats series has been about love and forgiveness. It's about how to stand in the light using a variety of perspectives, spiritual development, voice for hope, laughter, ethics, healing relationships, getting hooked up, life beyond life, words as healing tools, creating healing environments, and the oneness of all things using spiritual, cultural traditions. One of the things that I have learned from doing this work for many years, and it was best described by, in our last show, with Aborigine elder Bob Randall, talking about the oneness of all things and how you look at your life, see where you've been, where you are, and where you want to go, and make changes. The plight of the Aborigine people that we discussed about firsthand perspective about his life, I'd like to build on that theme and start with the information from another one of my key teachers. Her name is Dr. Rose Perry, and she is Amari Tahuna. I mentioned her in the last show. She, Bob Randall, and I have been friends and colleagues for a number of years, having met in New Zealand 
during an international conference where the three of us were the keynote presenters there. We formed a bond from that original meeting and have connected together in a variety of ways, sharing our teachings across the land, both in New Zealand, in Australia, and in the United States. For a number of times when I've brought Bob and Rose over to the US of A to share with our counterparts here in this country, different ways of looking at how we are all one. I'd like to quote from Rose's book called Tefeki that she um, describes a number of perspectives here that really build on what we have just talked about. And the first thing, I want to mention just a little bit about her and what is a tuhuna, her teachings that she is the keeper of and helping to bring forward in the world are over 12,000 years in, from ancient Hawaii. And it has represented the New Zealand internationally as an educator and as she has used this as a base and then fully stepped into her role as a tuhuna, bringing forward the ancient wisdom a number of years ago. She had originally agreed to be on the show, but has, um, when I first asked her in August, but then she decided she's moving more fully into her role and stepping out of the limelight uh, and more into the background to fully embrace her role as a tuhuna. But she has given me uh, permission to share some of her work in her teachings. The work is about peace to the universe, love to the universe, joy to the universe, and truth to the universe. She focuses on, may the violet flame, the spirit of freedom that upholds justice and truth prevail. This is a gift of love to the whole world. It is a token of my regard to Earth Mother. She addresses that as a child develops a positive attitude towards the tone that she or he is expected to make, shape, or learn about, she looks at the treasures that have come down. Some of the cultural practices being in a kinship parenting system includes an open display of strong affection and caring for the children. Grandfathers, fathers, particularly spend as much time with your young offspring as the mothers and grandmothers, like the women, the men could perform the nursing duties for infants with great tenderness and care. Both men and women were involved with delivering babies. The writer's grandparents' generation was just as close to the parents' generation. She was included, involved with everything they did. Those cherished years will always remain intact. 
I've been in Rose's home a number of times, and there are multiple generations that live in one home that is described here. And she says this interconnection between generations is an important way to help in the development of all. The children need the parents and grandparents, and the grandparents need the children and the parents. This is a concept in the United States and in other countries. We need to revisit how we look within the family unit and care for an each for each other. Another important belief that she talks about in her book is that there is a unique heritage given to each and every culture across the world. And no one culture is more or less important than another. To suggest that there is, is to criticize the Godhead. The culture a child is born into is likened to an ancient path that is a well-signpost for the child to walk along. What real right has anyone got to change those signposts? If a child is expected to determine his or her own future or course of direction, then the assumption is made that the child will need to know as much as possible about his or her own roots in the past. The way that people transmit their culture helps make cultural diversity enriching and exciting. This is a concept that as we begin to explore, what has happened is nations um, begin to take over another culture. They, they want the land that belongs to uh, where certain people are. We certainly have done that in the United States. Uh, and I won't mention what uh, other countries have done, but these are well known historically how they abuse the rights of one group over another. And even in our healthcare system, we begin to do things similar to this as well. Recently, when I accompanied my sister for her surgery, the um, physician had a nurse practitioner in there with him who worked closely with him on the cases. And when they were sharing the different options that my sister had, uh, the nurse practitioner began to uh, suggest her way of doing things rather than trying to find out my sister's perspective on what she wanted to do. I could see she was getting more and more agitated as the person in authority, quote-unquote, both the doctor and the nurse, were trying to impose, or not the doctor, the doctor wasn't, the nurse was. And uh, as a nurse myself, I found that this goes against the way I was really trained, which is to support the person in their decision-making in Obviously, that includes the cultural framework that works with them. This is an important point that we need to begin to address in the world and that I have learned from my association with both Bob and Rose over the years to pay attention to how we can work in cooperation with each other, both Bob and Rose were key teachers in learning about 
how to connect with the land. It was from Bob, who taught me how to walk the land, listen to the messages from the earth and from the trees. The same was true when I went to New Zealand. Each country, though, had a different perspective that was unique in how they do what they do. And recently, when I was providing a reading for someone who uh, won the free drawing with the Wise Chats show, I suggested something similar when this person was working to make a decision for her life. I suggested that she go into the woods by her home or a favorite place that she liked to walk and to reflect on what her, her choices were with an important decision she was trying to make in her life. I also suggested that she hum songs that are of value to her, that she stop and notice the birds, the trees, the the way the light was coming in the forest, uh, the sounds that she heard. And as she would do that, she would be connecting more fully with nature and moving out of the ego and just the linear decision-making process and move into a more spiritual realm. And I suggested that once she left the woods, that more than likely she would have the answer to the question she was posing. I go back and say that I'm not in trying to impose my suggestion, you have to walk in the woods. I'm just suggesting that we have within our reach all around us many resources that can guide us in our life. If you look at what you have in your home, what kind of music you listen to, what colors attract you either to wear or have uh, the, the colors you've painted your rooms, and all of these things can play an important part. Are your animal companions, are they just... Um, Are they an integral part of their life? Are they an appendage? And I remember at one point a friend who uh, had moved into a new place. They uh, didn't particular, uh, it was a male friend. He uh, had recently divorced and wasn't real sure he wanted to have the dog around. So he he built an area uh, for the dog to be outside. And the dog, who had been an integral part of the family all along, now at once was an outsider. That lasted for about a month. And then one day when he opened the gate, the dog took off and never came back again. That taught me how when um, someone is part of a family, you need to keep engaged those lines of communication and keep open, let them feel to be an invaluable part of uh, each other's world. The Mari people are great ones for continually talking about that. In their discussion of economics, and I'd like to read uh, a part from the book. Let me turn to it here. One of the things Rose describes, how does one organize the economics, the domestic affairs of the family and the home? 
How does one involve themselves with community or state affairs? What are the priorities? Are economics, including the types of contributions that can be made, a shared responsibility? Both individual and group endeavors can have an um, encouraged at home and in the community. One of the things that we use in our training program called Transform Your Life Through Energy Medicine is a very, very simple hand movement that was taught to me by Rose where the hands are joined together with people in a, in a certain way. The left hand's up, the right hand's down. Between two people, you cross hands and then connect together. This movement, as Rose taught it to me, is how people share the energy between one person and another. And it moves beyond words, so no prejudice, no particular point of view can get in the way. It's like the bare bones, authentic um, bond between people is able to be connected. Many people have reported in using this technique that I've done both in healthcare settings and community settings. Uh, I once um, heard a report from a colleague whose uh, child was being made fun of, who was a special needs child, and who he had gone to a summer camp, and the other children were starting to make fun of him. So instead of taking the child out of the camp, the mother did this technique that I just described to you. And she said, as a result, it totally changed and transformed how her child was treated throughout the rest of the time at the camp. It is a way of coming together. And I recently heard of a project uh, that occurred in the United States where a mental health professional began to use the Mari technique of how to deal with conflict in different points of view and how one person has hurt another. And during this time, what was done is both the person who had uh, been abused comes and tell their story and their total family members, as well as the person who was the abuser and the abuser's total family members. They came together and they stayed at one place until a resolution was worked out that was satisfactory to everyone. That is a very, very different concept and way of doing things in the world. Related to this, I want to share a piece from Lama Suri Das, American Buddhist teacher, teacher who has written many, many books and um, um, has appeared at conferences throughout the world. And his latest uh, message, I think it was October the 25th, that came from his uh, website, lamasuridas.org. And I wrote him and I asked him if I could share this with you, and he has given me permission. As I'm reading this, I'm in the Healing Center in North Carolina, Triangle Holistic Center, that uh, 
I had invited Lama Suri Das to teach here, and I'm looking at a picture of him as he holds sacred space for his teachings. And his work also has been a key resource to help me and uh, for me to share with others as they are on their spiritual path. And Lama Suri Das is uh, continually paying attention to current things going on in the world that influences all of us and making statements about it, about what is happening, and assisting us to gain a new perspective, to look at things in a new way. And we need people like him to come forward to give us other options of how to deal with the world problems, rather than currently how some of our politicians are directing or shaping our thinking. And this is what Lama Das had to say. And this was uh, uh, from uh, the recent events that took place around October the 25th this year, 2013. And he wrote, In light of the recent government shutdown in the USA and reopening following the right, following right on the heels of the 50th anniversary of the landmark Civil Rights March on Washington. I've been reflecting ever more about the vital need for genuine dialogue and cooperation in our greatly fractured world, says Lama Suri Das, especially in this increasingly shrinking, interconnected, an interdependent global era. We need to pull together. If we don't want to be paralyzed or even pulled completely apart. Although the world word religion stems from the root idea of uniting, the religious world we know today seems equally riven in partisan with extreme views and extremist violence as a society and political segments of society come at one another. He goes on to say and challenge us with how to develop a more just and equitable world where there's sufficient resources and opportunities for all. Did you hear the word for all? Is there no far third or fourth way or option beyond entrenched partisan politics? Can we reconcile the gap between them and us, self and others, outer and inner in our fragmented air? Lama Sori Das proposes relational mediation, co-mediation, and empathy-oriented dialogue is palliative care for those agitated, anxious times, these agitated, anxious times. When we learn to see through each other's eyes and that they want and need more or less the same thing as we do, things start to look different 
and we can live and embody the diamond rule of perceiving the light in everyone, in everything, every moment. We can live and embody the diamond rule of perceiving the light in everyone, in everything, every moment. This is not a belief, but a training and a cultivation, a way of life I myself try to implement. When I read that in October, just a couple weeks ago, I knew I wanted to share that with this listening audience to bring forward Surrey's teaching. It's counterbalanced and builds on, I suppose, is a more accurate way of saying, of how to stand in the light. There are some additional things from Rose I would like to share with you when she talks about unconditional love. Rose mentions that unconditional love is tied into the survival and the true strength of kinship ties extended families across all universes. It's not something to be talked about and it's something to be lived. So we're going to take a break here a moment and when I come back I want to expand further on what Rose shares about unconditional love. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Visit the Energy Medicine Partnerships website at www.energymedicinepartnerships.com for workshops, classes, and special events promoting health and healing. These holistic programs are available for both health professionals and lay individuals. Water Lily Press NC provides the teaching materials for these programs, and you can find a link to Water Lily Press NC when you visit EnergyMedicinePartnerships.com. While you're on the site, you may also check out Akamai University's Distant Education Programs, where Dr. Mary Jo Bullbrook is Director of the Complementary Therapies Programs. Akamai University offers postgraduate diploma clinical education programs preparing clinicians, practitioners, and specialists in complementary therapies, as well as both master's and doctoral education in complementary therapies. For more information about Akamai University, visit akamaiuniversity.us. That's A-K-A-M-A-I university.us. And for more information about Energy Medicine Partnerships, visit energymedicinepartnerships.com. This is Wise Chats, simple talk, profound wisdom. To reach Dr. Mary Jo Bulbrook or today's guest, please call us at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to Mary Jo at energymedicinepartnerships.com. Now, back to Wise Chats. 
Welcome back to the show. I want to speak a little bit further about unconditional love that Rose Perry talks about. We were just describing about how to deal with individual differences and cultural diversity that these really can be enriching and exciting. And she says that each person respecting and caring for the other engenders a climate of goodwill and support. This is what all of us needs and wants in the world. How to be supported by others, not always be on the giving, but also to receive. I found this to be greatly true what I learned from my main teachers, two that I've three that I've been talking about, Bob Randall, Rose Perry, Lama Suridas. And I'd also like to mention two others from two additional countries. They are Credo Mutwa, who's a South African Sanguma. I first met Credo probably about 1995. He is one of the most famous traditional healers of uh, South Africa. Uh, When I had shared with my colleagues who I had been working with for several years that I wanted to meet a traditional healer, they took me off the airplane and I was immediately taken to his home in Johannesburg and uh, where uh, we met and talked probably for about two, two and a half hours. And he was sharing, I didn't really know anything about him at the time. I had no idea how famous he was or really anything about Sangomas. And even the word at the time uh, seemed so foreign to me. And uh, if I had not had this introduction or immersion in the culture and had seen him in his traditional dress, I think I would have, I would not have been socialized to know how to interact with him. But he shared very freely with me his teachings. And uh, at the end of the conversation, in his home, he had outstanding artifacts, like what you would see in a museum. And one of these things, he had just opened up a box that had a stone in it that came from a temple. And I'm not sure where the temple was, but he was starting to describe to me uh, the heritage of that particular stone. And as he was beginning to speak, I heard a voice that said, um, uh, give a message to him from the stone. I heard that inside my head. And at the time I go, there's no way I'm going to do that. He doesn't know anything about me and that I do intuitive readings and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that. And so I continued to listen to him, and I heard the voice again, and I thought, well, I'll share it with him. So I mentioned it to him when he paused. I said, the stone said that it had a message for you. Would you like for me to share it? He stopped speaking, or he had stopped, and he looked at me, and he said, yes, I would. So I described to him what information I heard, and afterwards he said to me, When I was given the stone a number of years ago, I was told a woman from far away would come and let the stone speak. And he knew that was me. 
That was the start of a magical relationship between Credo and I, and I have since been to visit him probably about 10 times in South Africa over the years. Uh, Going into his home, uh, he moved from that original place. I've probably been at three different home sites for him and have recorded his teaching over the years. He's, I believe, is in his 80s now, and uh, he has been ill throughout a lot of his life uh, and has taken on the burdens of his people in trying to share the ancient wisdom and helping to bring forward their plight of, again, more of the same on how traditional peoples have been abused. And he also speaks of um, messages and information that are out of the box. If you Google him or go to the internet and type it his name, Credo Mutwa, C-R-E-D-O-M-U-T-W-A, you will find a lot of videos uh, about his teaching and about him. And one of the things, again, and I go back to as a traditional healer, they work in the realm of spirituality out of the ordinary. They are chosen by their people, uh, many times out of awareness, uh, some traditional healers, uh, particularly in South Africa, become a sankoma through a physical illness where they are called into service, which is what has happened to Credo. In one of his books with his current partner, Virginia, he describes some of his stories. And the one thing I want to mention to you about Credo Mutua that is similar, they all have something similar to say that there is a oneness of all things and the goal is to stand into the light and to approach things beginning to know, respect, and care for the land, the plants, the animals, and the humans. We are all in this world in an interconnected way. I learned from Amelia Pandora, who I spoke about with my colleague in one of the other shows called Getting Hooked Up with Dr. Paul Afala, He introduced me to her. She is a Peruvian shaman in the Shipo tradition. Again, uh, the teachings through her, there was a lot of influence in working with plants and nature spirits. These topics were so foreign to me as a white middle class child growing up in Ohio. I never thought my life would become sharing and connecting with cultures throughout the world and learning from them. As I've mentioned before, I am trained as a nurse, as a psychotherapist, as a healer. I am not trained as a spiritual person. But I've come to understand spirituality is not religion. Spirituality is a way of looking beyond the physical, the emotional, and the mental into realms where there is no ordinarily, ordinary expectation. This is some of what I've learned from hanging out with these people in different cultures over many years. 
What does this have to do with you? You may ask. The listener out there. Some of you may be people from my training program. Others could be from similar energy-based training. Or it could have been you just stumbled across the show or were guided to it, either in or out of awareness, uh, to learn some new things. This whole series has been about bringing forward to you different perspectives, different ways of looking at things in the world. From Leah Curtin, who is also a nurse and one of the foremost leader in ethics in healthcare. She spoke about some of the very difficult things that she has experienced as a professional and having worked also in a number of different cultures and in particular looking at the stories from those who've been uh, given a hard time in the world uh, for different reasons, the children of war, the casualties, those who have uh, lost their lives in service of others. She awakened in me a level of compassion and understanding that even though from a perspective of we can go to the legal system to find out what is right and wrong, just as the Aborigines went to the Australian government to try to deal with what is right and wrong. Just like in different countries, they try to have their voice heard, their forgotten voice, the unheard voice, the small voice, the voice in the background, the voice from those who cannot speak. This is what my passion and compassion is all about, trying to help people to find their voice, to find their way, to find their path. Recently in North Carolina, Mother Mira came uh, to our city and gave her blessing in her way. It is believed that she is in and uh, incarnation of Mother Mary. And so I went to the church in uh, um, downtown Raleigh. It was my first experience being with her. And the service is totally done in silence. It's being in her presence and allowing the energy from both sight, seeing her, gazing upon her eyes, being in a close proximity with her as she holds the vibration of light and love at a high level. My response is, uh, as I went before her one by one in silence, the people in the church, and I knelt down before her and she placed her hands on my head. When she released her hands... You have permission to look at her and look in her eyes. And when she closes her eyes, your session is over and you go back to your seat. When I went back and I was sitting in the back of the church and probably one of the last ones, about last ones to go, I sat there quietly in just silence and 
awareness, noticing without expectation of what my process was, I began to feel a flow of energy where she had her hands on my head enter my body. And I could track it as it slowly made its way, first in my head, in the neck, the spine, the chest, the abdomen, down the legs, and out the feet. The feeling was gentle, authentic, caring, and loving. Those are the best ways I could describe what happened to me. I was filled with an awe and a presence very different from what I had experienced before. While others left the church, I sat in silence to integrate my experience. When I left, I was a different person. I'd like to read a piece for you from one of uh, Mother Mira's books on, and the title of the book is Answers Part 2. It was published in 2008. Uh, Mother Mira lives in a small town in Germany. It's a question and answer format. The question was, is enlightenment possible for everyone? Mother Mira says yes. Question, what are the essential qualities one must have to be enlightened? Mother Mira, first, do your job or work or professions perfectly. Have a strong will, aspiration, and devotion. I'm going to read that again. Do your job or work or professions perfectly. Now, when she wrote the word perfectly, to me what that meant, to the best of my ability at a point in time, that's what is perfect for me. The second thing that she says, have a strong will, aspiration, and devotion. So to me, that means not being passive and have goals and have a path that we follow. She didn't say follow this path and not that path. This culture, this guru, this religion. She said, have a devotion. The last question was, Why do we need enlightenment? Her answer, we need enlightenment to be free from our daily problems, to raise from suffering to bliss, from ignorance to wisdom, from darkness to light, from mortality to immortality. She's dealing with the universality of all things, the oneness of all things. This simple woman in silence 
is available to share her light with the world. I went to be in her presence. I stood in the light to then go out and for me to be in my light and to stand in the light for others to receive. One of the things I've shared in a number of shows is what we produce at um, Energy Medicine Partnerships that are offered through Water Lily Press, a series of cards and books and tapes. And I want to read from the wellness deck this card. It's called Live in the Light. No matter what happens to you, choose to live in the light and not in darkness. Open your feet and let drain out all that robs you of eternal light. Then open your crown or the top of the head to divine light trying to reach into the darkness of your soul and bring comfort and joy once again to you and through you. Life can be better. Believe that and fill yourself with the energy of that thought. Bob Randall overcame many obstacles in his life. Steve Behrman uses laughter to change energy dynamics. Craig and Sue Patterson from Australia work with creating healing environments using color and light, sounds, vibrations, and frequencies to bring the light in yet a different way. Dr. Paul Afala from Peru embraced the culture he was living in even though he's born in America and has now integrated from the culture he lives in and serves his in his traditional way as a chiropractor and is now his integrated work as a shaman that includes both from Amelia, who he studied with as well, and some South African traditional healers who influenced his life. Paul then created his own light, making his path, and will have people who will come and stand and be in his light as well. We've talked about life after death. In that series, I mentioned Dr. Evan Alexander, neurosurgeon, Harvard faculty person, graduate here in North Carolina at the University of North Carolina and at Duke University, a prominent, well-known physician who went to the other side and in his book, Proof of Heaven, talks about living and connecting with the light on the other side. This word is not a little word. It is the essence of who we are 
in what we're striving for, where we've been, and where we're going. Each one of these shows are attempted attempting to tap into different aspects of our lives, appeal to maybe not the same audience, but actually having a similar theme. Look beyond what is being said and find your truth within that perspective, not someone else's truth. One of the affirmations that I have, well, there's two that I'd like to read. This is another series of cards from Water Lily Press. This is called Light the Way. Light your way with acts of kindness, gratitude, and love. These three attributes will bring you much joy as well as others. Affirmation, may I be a healing light in the world. One thing that I had said I'd like to cover and share in this show is a series of five stories that were written to deal with those who have served. Our servicemen and women are and have experience in answering the call to serve a number of problems that have greatly affected our lives. We have a responsibility as a nation to pay attention to what they are saying to us, that they need help. We have talked about in some of the other shows about the spiritual centers that each of us have. And from each one of these centers, there is a way to get at truth or where energy resides to, uh, that have affected our lives. The series I want to tell you about, and anyone who wants to write me, I will send you free of charge this series of five stories that are written to deal with the problems. It's called On the Front Lines, Choosing to Serve, After Coming Home, For Those Left Behind, and For the Children. Each one of those deals with a different kind of problem. What the servicemen and women, when they went on the front lines, what was in their hearts to serve? What, what, uh, what was their reason for serving? That's the first question. And the second question was how I felt about it and then how I feel about it now. The third question is at the time I thought when I went to serve and now I think. The fourth is my heart, in the beginning was, and now it is. The fifth, this is what I have to say about my experience. The sixth, I now see my future. And seven, spiritually, I am. Each one of these ways of filling in the blanks will help move the energy and bring the light back. I invite you to look at what has happened not only to the, the men and women around us in every country who've served their country. I invite you to be aware, be available to help them 
to find ways to deal with what has happened to them. I've been inspired by a song called Led by the Heart. The heart is one of the largest fields of the human body. It radiates out in all directions and influences others. Notice what is coming from your heart. A loving and generous heart will give back what it gives. The affirmation is, I share my love and generous heart with others. We're coming to the close of the show here. And I want to thank you for tuning in to the Wise Chats series. They will continue to be available on Voice America for a while and then in iTunes. And it will be available through Energy Medicine Partnerships. And I want to encourage you to listen to them at other times. Things that were said by different leaders will strike you. You'll hear something differently than you heard before. I want to thank you for being with us and joining us and learning more about how to stand in the light. And my closing song from John Ungadi is the song we started with the show, Stand in the Light. He has some additional things to say that I want to leave you with, and we'll listen to this and then close for now. And I want to thank you, thank you, thank you, and I share with each of you and those you who are in your world many blessings and love and light on your journey. And I invite you to continue to stand in the light. Proclama la buena nueva siempre con la vida. Creemos en la luz que nos trae la verdad y rechazamos las mentiras.
places of creation when we find the lost and lonely and bring them to salvation. Standing in the light, we see it takes communication to spread the truth revealed in words and full participation. Invited by the word and inspired by the spirit, we call to realize we must reveal it. Once you know the truth, once you see the light, there's no way to deny that lies hide in the night. Be vigilant and vigilant throughout all your days and connect with the fact that the light is here to stay. Create a new norm, transform from blindness to science so that we live in peace and mind. Walking in the darkness means walking with desires for earthly kind of things that will end up in the fire. Be true to the truth because it tells the real story. Stand in the light, we reflect God's glory. Whose brightness transcends beyond the heavens and the Thanks again for being a part of Wise Chats. Please join your host, Dr. Mary Jo Bulbrook, again next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America's 7th Wave Channel. We hope that you have a great week.